living in the present while planning for the future and maximizing today while also intentionally setting things up so you can do those things later on that are important to you and just do them on an even bigger scale. That's the balance and what we're navigating here on a day-in-day basis. You're listening to The Life & Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families, and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey everyone, Annie Dickerson here. And I'm thrilled to be here with you today. We have a fantastic conversation ahead with Jim Kreider of Intentional Living FP. He's a financial planner, but so much more. And I want to start by just backing it out and talking a little bit about my personal experience with financial planning. As some of you may know, it can be hit or miss with financial planners out there. And you really got to dig to find the good ones. And I remember early on, I was helping my mom actually with a financial planner. And I remember we didn't quite go into their office, but it was much like a what you would think of as a traditional financial planning experience where they asked about how much income and what are the expenses. And then at the end, they said, okay, well, based on all of that, here is the plan. Here's what you should invest in. And at the time, I was young, I didn't know much else. And so I was like, okay, let's do that. Set it and forget it. And years later, once I discovered the power of real estate syndications and passive investing, I went back and I looked at that financial plan and that investment. And I was like, oh my goodness, they missed so many things. And we lost so much time that my mom could have been investing in all these other things that would have been just as good, if not better, for her goals. And so I tell you that story because I think a lot of people have this perception of financial planners as they calculate what you should invest in, right? You tell them the income and the expenses and your risk profile and how old you are, and they sort of spit out a formula. And in some cases, that is how they work. But in many cases, if you can find a really good financial planner, like we're going to talk to Jim Kreider today, they're so much more than that. The money is just a tool. It's just a small piece of the overall pie because really it's about your life, how you want to live your life. And then backing that out and figuring out, okay, how do we get the resources, the money, the tools to be able to reach those goals? And Jim shares so many good insights and stories and examples in this conversation that I think all of you are going to really love. I definitely enjoy the conversation. I got a ton of value out of it. It made me think a lot about my whys and how I can better communicate with my husband around our goals and our planning. And even though we've been doing this real estate investing thing for many years and we're doing the whole life insurance, we're doing all these different strategies there's always room for improvement and optimization. And that's where a great financial planner can come into place, come into play rather, to help you really think through a lot of that. So I'm glad we got a chance to talk through that today. For anybody who's listening who might be new to what we do, which is helping people to invest passively in real estate. So you get all the benefits of real estate investing without any of the hassles of being a landlord, no tenants, no toilets, no toilets, no termites. If that interests you, a great place to start is to grab a copy of our book. It's called Investing for Good. And we have a free hardcover copy for all 
all of you, just go to goodegginvestments.com slash book. Now with that, let's dive into our conversation with Jim Kreider. Jim, welcome to the show. How are you? Annie, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thrilled to have you here. Now, Jim, I know you're a family guy. You've got three boys and you've designed your life so you can really have the freedom to spend time with them and be there for them. And not only that, but you've designed your business, Intentional Living FP, to be able to help other families do the same, which is a big part of what we're all about too. So I'm really thrilled that we have this chance to dig in today. Now, I know you have a background in helping already financially successful families manage their wealth. You've shifted now, so your audience now is different, but tell us a little bit about that and what led you to that path and what attracted you to that whole world. Well, so initially, years back, I got into finance. I left a job without a plan, which led to a prolonged period of unemployment. I was in my early 20s, and during that time, really started thinking about, well, one, what do I want to do? What's important to me? How can I make an impact on the people around me um, as a career? That would be an amazing way to spend my time or spend a lot of time at our job, do something that's important to me. And also due to the unemployment, started really thinking about financial stress. And that's the number one cause of divorce in the US. It's one of the top causes of personal stress and suicide. And I was thinking, what an amazing way to be able to help people out. So I didn't know what that looked like. I just knew I wanted to help families have healthy conversations around money and actually align their money for what's important to them in life. I didn't know what financial planning was or what a CFP is or any of these credentials or anything. I just knew, let's take a step to go towards that direction. I went to a really large firm. I started out there. I pursued a lot of certifications and all those good things. And for a while there, I was working with retirement planning, specifically with physicians. So I was working with a lot of high income, high net worth families being doing retirement planning, make sure they're doing this tax efficiently. I left there I wanted to be able to have more in-depth relationships with the clients I worked with. So then I went to a really small firm as an advisor, still working, as you mentioned, had already pretty much been successful. They're about to retire or just retired. And hey, we built up this nest egg. How do we live off of it now? And yes, that's fulfilling. And I love all the people I've got to work with over the years. But having had so many conversations, like tens of thousands of these now, I was able to get a very good understanding of what mistakes and regrets and opportunities were faced over the decades leading up to this decision to retire. And if we intervene and make intentional decisions from an earlier age, though even small changes can have a profound impact as those changes compound over time. Also, I like the types of conversations we're having with younger families. Frankly, I decided that I could relate to these people more. So I decided to go and start a farm working with people, frankly, like me. So work specifically with young families who desire early financial independence so they can spend more time with the people they care about. Fascinating. I love how you got into it purely for wanting to help people. You saw this problem and you thought, okay, here's a way that I can help. I can jump in and help people. And I love how you, during the course of your, you've seen both sides of both ends of it. You've seen people who are already successful and they may or may not need you, but you're helping them tweak and optimize. And then not only did you do that, I mean, it's easy to get comfortable doing that. But again, you took a step back and you said, well, how can I have a greater impact? 
And how can I make a bigger mark? And then you started working with these younger families. So tell us a little bit about the difference that you were seeing among these families nearing retirement versus families starting out. Did you see a big difference in mindset? Was it how they were thinking about money? Was it strategies? What was it? Gosh, I've never been asked that question. That's a really good one. And it's different across the board from mindset. So the types of the aspirations that generations have tend to differ. Now, overall, what everyone wants is pretty similar. If you're asking, if you're talking to a 20-year-old family or talking to someone in their 70s or 80s, there's typically three things that come up as top or three or four things as top priority. Time freedom, spending time with the people we care about, the ability to pursue our passion projects, and be able to be generous to the things we care about. So those are the causes typically that we're going for for families. That's very common. Now the execution of those look a lot different. I mean, think about, I guess, the greatest generation and these generations of the past. You go, you work for a company, the same company for 40 years, then you get a pension, you retire, you watch a lot of TV, probably play some golf, maybe go to Florida a couple times a year, call it a day. That's not really what our generation, what millennials and Gen Z, I don't know all the generational terms. That's not what these younger people tend to want. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's typically not what they're looking for. It's more of I just want to be able to do something I'm passionate about. Whether or not that brings an income is irrelevant. How do I design my lifestyle around this and also make time to be with the people I care about before they're out of my life? So that's one mindset shift, but also, yes, like the technical side of financial planning is also very different. I definitely would pose that someone, a family in their 30s, has a lot more complexities and opportunities to plan around than a family in their 60s. Like If you're about to retire, certainly you want to look at your portfolio, make sure you're looking at tax-efficient spin-down strategies, integrating with Social Security and fixed income, making sure that Medicare and estate planning is all lined up well. That's about it. Requires maybe a once-a-year check-in, and you can coast from there. However, you juxtapose that to a family, let's say in their early 30s. We're talking about changing careers, going from a large company to a small company, to starting a company, to maybe buying a first house or a second house and building real estate portfolio, leaving jobs to stay at home with kids, having more kids. How do we pay for a private public school? Do we start saving for college? Do you get a vacation house? How do we, do we retire when we're old and just sort of enjoy today? Do we try to retire early? And if we're doing that, Do we starve ourselves from any enjoyment of life now so we can retire early? Is there a balance here? Yeah, I could go on all day. It's vastly different from, again, the more esoteric, like what are we going for, all the way down to the black and white investment tax strategies. Oh my gosh. When you put it like that, it's like, it couldn't be more different. Right. And I think you're absolutely right. There's also that generational shift because- For me personally, after college, I had nine jobs in 10 years, just chasing that impact. And I just wanted to find a place where I didn't care what the paycheck was. I just wanted to have an impact and help people. And my parents could not understand that. They were like, what are you doing? You're throwing your career away. You need to be climbing the corporate ladder and saving for retirement. And it's just a different, it's a whole different mindset. And so you bring up some really interesting things about when you are those younger stages and you have all this opportunity. And I think there's two sides of the coin, right? Because I think a lot of families, they see that opportunity, but they're also like so overwhelmed 
because they don't have the time to explore. They want the freedom on the other end, but they're like, well, how do I get from where I am now working this full-time job, doing the drop-offs and the pickups with the kids and the going to the soccer games, all this stuff. When am I going to have time to go and figure out what to invest in or what to put in my retirement plan or 529 plan or this or that? And so for those people who are maybe just starting out or just trying to figure out what should work for them or what they should be thinking about, how do you guide them through those conversations? A lot of people, when they consider a financial planner, I think they immediately jump to mutual funds and investments and 401ks. And of course, those are some of the tools that are utilized in financial planning. But ultimately, it's about your life. It's not about your money. Your money is just a tool and resource to support what's important to you in life. So how we approach that is foundationally unpacking and understanding what is truly important to you. I'm not referring to just goals, like when do you want to retire and how much money do you want to have, but beyond that, like why do you want these things and who do you want to be? What do you want to be known for and who are you? And we start with that, understanding your values of the why. Once we have that fully known, you're fully known. If you're married, your spouses, y'all are fully known together. And once I'm in the picture so I can figure out what's going on here, we establish those values. And then from there, that's going to determine goals. And I would venture to say, any that your goals today are probably different than they were five years ago, and they'll be different in five years than they are today. And that's okay. But we do set goals so we can at least put a stake in the ground as far as what direction, what is the best next step to take? So again, we start with goals or values and then goals. And then we look at, all right, what are the decisions that we're going to have to navigate? Everything in life requires a decision. There's always trade-offs. There's opportunity costs in everything you do. If you choose one thing, you are deliberately or not giving up something else. So we want to make sure you're navigating those decisions intentionally. And then finally, we're taking action. So we want to make sure the actions you take are aligned with what's actually important to you in life. So if we anchor in those values, it's much more apt to actually take action in line with that. We're no longer wasting our time saying like, oh, should I buy this product or invest in this? We can quickly reference what's important to you. And if it checks that box, awesome, let's move forward. If it doesn't, then we need to reconsider the decision that's being made. We can at least do that in context and light of where we're going. Now, of course, that does lead into the decisions and actions that leads into more cut and dry financial planning side of things. But frankly, again, like I said, those are the tools and resources that are there to help support these. Those are just supporting actors in this narrative of your life. Yeah. And it's so interesting to hear you talk about it because with the different issues that people bring up, it's almost like people come to a financial planner with a symptom, right? And they think that's the problem. They think it's the money problem. But when you dig in, and I love how you talk to people about their values and their why, because at the end of the day, like you said, money is just a tool. It's not the be all and end all. As most people think when they first start working with a financial planner, they're like, okay, I just want to grow my wealth. Well, why? What do you want to do with it? What do you want your life to look like? And so I love that you start there. And so give us some examples. Like, what are you seeing people come to you with? Because I know for myself, when I started down this path, I didn't know what I wanted. I was like, do I want to start a business? Do I want to quit my job? Or do I want to be on the beach all day? Like, Give us some examples, some typical things that you're seeing. Yeah. So my average client is going to be late 20s to early 40s. Obviously, there's a lot of things going on. Something I'm facing a whole lot of right now is clients that work with companies that have incentive stock options or different types of stock options. 
And we're making sure we're exercising those in a tax-efficient manner. Do we diversify? Do we hang on to that? Those sorts of things. So IPOs. Most of my clients either already own or plan on starting a business in the short to midterm. So navigating, just jump in and start the business. And if so, how do you cash flow your lifestyle while you're building this thing? Or do you tiptoe in while you're staying at your nine to five business and entity planning and all that fun stuff? A lot of our clients also have real estate holdings. So how do you purchase real estate? Should you put it in LLC? What type of LLC? All those things. And then you move into like, yeah, the traditional investments and college savings. How do you save for college? Do you do that? Retirement accounts. Do you put money to a 401k or a Roth IRA? Or should we not put money in a retirement account? Because if you want to retire early, you're sort of putting yourself in a box of when you can pull those funds out. It's a lot of the stuff. I'm fortunate enough, again, to have had so many of these conversations. I'm able to peek around the corner and see, all right, here's 99% of what's going to be taking place. And then my wife and I, and my wife, her name's Kendra. Kendra and I, we navigate these things as well. So I know the conversations that these families are having behind closed doors, the stresses, the complications, the marriage conversations that are come about and really want to go in there and say, well, here's where you're right now. And if we choose path A or path B, here's the probable implications of the next step and just helping guide as we navigate this ever-changing landscape. Mm-hmm. I love that you have that personal, because you're going through it right alongside your clients. And so tell us a little bit more about that. I know we heard a little bit about your story getting into this whole world of financial planning and advising, but tell us about your family and maybe when you went down or you started down this path, what were your goals and what were your whys? Mm, I like that. Can I tell you a quick story that I think will shed more context as far as what I do? Okay. This will be insightful, I think, hopefully, if not. Well, I'm sorry. Um, I love what I do. I tend to be a workaholic because this is my job, but also my passion. Like I fall asleep most nights reading about tax strategy and estate planning and investments. Ah, like you're one stuff. of those. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a self-identified nerd, I guess. Yeah. I like this stuff. And years ago, Kendra, my wife, she was still working. We had one of our sons and we were, she was, we had number two on the way and she liked her job, but she desperately wanted to be able to leave and stay with our boys. And she had to hear me talk about work every night, how much fun it was. And she couldn't understand that. So one night we're having dinner, we put the boys down to bed and she asked me, said, I was telling her another story about work. And she said, Jim, I just don't get it. Why do you like your job so much? I don't understand. What do you mean by that? She said, I guess when I think of a financial planner, it sounds horrible, both as a job. Like, I don't see how you enjoy going and doing this every day, but also as a client, if I walked in, it just seems like a bad experience. Mm. So I pressed on that. You just said it sounds like a bad experience. What are you thinking about? What comes to mind? So she sat back and she described a story. And she said, well, when I think of a financial planner, I think about walking into an office and there's a whole bunch of wood around me and there's this big wide desk and I'm in a leather back chair and there's an old guy across the table from me with a suit and cufflinks and one of those big white collared shirts. And he interrogates me for two hours about why am I spending so much on clothes and makeup and why are we eating out? And how much money do I think I'm going to need on utilities when I'm 73? And <laughs> then he starts asking me about rate of returns and mutual funds and performance and all these things. I don't know what he's saying. And then finally, after all this time, he slides us across a two-inch thick booklet with charts and graphs and all these things. I have to pretend I know what he's saying. Otherwise, I feel like I look dumb. So I just sort of nod my head and, okay, yeah, this looks good. And he says, all right, well, you may or may not be able to retire in 35 years. Come back in a year and we'll, we'll do this over again. 
She said, that sounds like a really bad gig and a bad experience for a client. That's fair. What you described does sound really bad, but let's flip that switch. If you had to or got to go to someone to talk about this, what would you want that to look like? She sat back and just thought about it for a minute. And she said, well, I guess I wish that you and I had someone that we could go to together just to talk with about what we want in life, what we want our life to look like, the things we hope for, the things we want to do, and just to get guidance along the way, just peace of mind. And yeah, the things that I'm nervous about, I want to have clarity is how do we mitigate those risks and how do we sidestep these? Like, is it possible for me to leave my job so I can stay at home with the boys? Would it be possible for you to leave your corporate job and start your own business? And do we send our kids to public school? Can we pay for private school? Should we save for college? Or is that just, what's that landscape going to look like in a long time? Is it really possible to be able to retire at 45? Or is that just not in the cards for us? And what about a house in Jackson Hole or Telluride one day? You know, all these things, like, is that even possible? And if so, how do we do that? So I just wish we had someone we could talk to about that. That does sound great. She said, yeah, it does. I never talked about money. Nothing really directly money came up. I never mentioned mutual funds or stocks. So to me, that doesn't sound like a financial advisor. That sounds like a life planner. And I got a big grin on my face. I was like, well, that's exactly what I do. My job is just to bring the nitty gritty money part to support that. That's why I love what I do. That's what I do. That gives some context in our life. I guess you asked, what about me? Like, How did I start this? And like, what's going on? Our goals? Do you want me to still go there? I'm more than happy to. Well, I think you covered part of it with like Kendra wanting to stay home with the boys, right? And so, and it sounds like you were able to leave your corporate job and you started a business. So, a Mm -hmm. lot of those things came to fruition, right? Exactly. So, I'm 31, Kendra's 32. We were both working big corporate jobs. She left. We now have three boys. She stays at home with all three of them, which is miraculous in and of itself. Bless her heart. (laughs) I know. I feel bad every morning when I leave her. So, she's there. I was able to leave uh, yeah, nine to five and start my own company. I've known for years, I'm a really bad employee. I'm super opinionated and have high convictions on the way I work with people. And the only way to be able to do that in the way that I feel is right is to start my own thing. So I was able to start my own firm. And yeah, like we are well on our way to be able to... Like, it's not about retirement. So for me, I love what I do. If I won the lottery, I would keep doing this. I just want the optionality to not have to do it so I choose. And certainly we're well on our way to have that optionality by 45, which is our goal. That's a little bit about us. We like, we definitely make sure that there's time to spend with our family. And that's a really big piece of what we do is a lot of people we work with, as I mentioned, have their younger families trying to navigate early financial independence. And that's typically associated with having more time to spend with the people they love. Well, if the goal is retirement, but the reason for retirement is more time freedom to be with the people you care about, it would be absolutely foolish to completely neglect those people now so you can spend more time with them later, especially for young families. Like your kids are under your roof right now. In 15 years, when you're retired, they're not going to be there. They're not going to have time for you. Take advantage of it now. So how do you achieve this balance of living in the present while planning for the future and maximizing today while also intentionally setting things up so you can do those things later on that are important to you and just do them on an even bigger scale? That's the balance and what we're navigating here on a day-in-day basis. We'll get back to our conversation with Jim in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. 
Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now back to our chat with Jim Kreider. It sounds like you had such a profound, that conversation with your wife about what she thought about financial planning with the leatherback chair and all the books. That's exactly how I picture, and I'm sure many people picture financial planning. And really, like you're saying, it's not about that. It's about life planning and life coaching and really the nitty gritty of the money. The stuff you nerd out about is only a tiny piece of the overall pie. And for me and my husband, I know a big part of it is like, yeah, we have alignment on our overall goals, but we don't have like, it, it's hard, right? Because we're both busy. It's hard to have that regular touch point to realign on goals and what we're doing and how things are working. And so having somebody like you alongside who has the bigger picture and can hold you accountable, I think that can be very valuable. Yeah. Again, a lot of the value we try to bring is certainly along the technical side. I've spent a lot of time, years studying this stuff on a very deep technical basis. But set that aside, there's still a lot of what I do is simply helping individuals recognize in themselves what is really important to you. And then again, like money being the top cause of divorce, making sure that these couples are aligned together and we're working together and working in stride towards what's important to you guys and having healthy communication about those things. And then finally, once we're there, then yes, like take these tools, use them well. And that way you're not going in circles. Like you can actually, you're aligned and you can use these in the highest and best manner. So, okay. Now I want to shift and talk about the technical nerdy side of stuff. Okay. So given that you've spent so much time looking into this, you've talked to a lot of people, you help them to reach their goals and build wealth. Tell us, should we be investing in stocks and mutual funds and bonds? Should we do real estate? Is there a blanket for everybody? How do you go about figuring out all that stuff? So there are blankets, you know, rules of thumb exist for a reason, but again, people aren't subject to rules of thumb per se. It's a very cliche answer for a financial planner, but it depends. A few things that are important. One, save early, save often, live below your means and invest. Like 
if you're going to do something, despite how you invest, make sure you are investing. Don't just sit on a pile of cash. You will be eaten alive from inflation. So do ensure you're investing. Now, fortunately, the way that I've structured our firm, I do have opinions and I'm here to guide and give direction. But at the same time, I am not biased per se on the means in which our clients go about building and maintaining wealth. So again, most a lot of our clients do have, or most of our clients do have traditional investment portfolios. So stock, bonds, I'm also really bullish on Bitcoin. So that is plays a large role in our firm. But again, the vast majority of our clients also are small business owners and invest in commercial residential real estate. Some of them choose to go bigger on the real estate or the business. Some choose to go bigger on the traditional assets. Again, I have personal views, but ultimately my role is to guide you in whichever way you feel is appropriate for you to make sure you're doing that intentionally. Because people make build wealth in all of these avenues and also people do poorly in each of these avenues. So how do we navigate this properly for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so key. Is And totally, it depends, right? Because every person is different. So every plan is going to be different. But it sounds like you're saying like not really a wrong way to do it. It's just knowing what you're investing in and in taking action and actually investing. I talk to a lot of people, they're sitting on the sidelines because they're afraid that they're going to make the wrong move. They're like trying to figure out which one's the best one, right? They're trying to compare stocks to mutual funds, to real estate, to commercial real estate. And they're like, I'm just trying to figure out what the best return is, what the risk is. And I'm like, yeah. And you also just need to get into something. You can't just sit for years at a time and just learn. You got to take action and get into it. I certainly agree. Of course, there's a place of being patient until you find the right thing, but there's also analysis paralysis and the risk there. I've had conversations with lots of people who say, oh, investing in name the asset class is too dangerous, so I'm not going to do anything. Then not recognizing that just doing nothing is subjecting themselves to an amazing amount of risk. For instance, inflationary risk. If your money is just sitting there in a pile of cash, you're not deploying it in some means, you are subjecting yourself again to inflationary risk, which we could argue what inflation is. Conservatively right now, CPI is at five and a half. So if you're sitting in cash, CPI is five and a half. You are choosing to achieve a negative five and a half percent rate of return. Again, I would say that's argued it's being conservative. Any you and I yeah. before recording, we were talking about groceries. I was at the grocery store mm-hmm. the other day and talked to the clerk. It lined up exactly with my numbers. Groceries over the last couple of months cost about 35% more than it just earlier this summer. So if you're not deploying your money and using it, you just lost 35% buying power for your food. So there is direct risk. So anything you do in life has risk. And again, that goes back. There's always trade-offs. You could think that oh gosh, it's some people are shut-ins. It's too risky to go outside maybe because of germs or I'm afraid of getting mugged or whatever the reason is. Not recognizing that if you sit in your house all day, every day for years on end, one, you're probably going to be vitamin D deficient. You're probably going to also lead to like, I don't know, obesity or things like that. You have to get out. It's all about having balance and being aware of the risk. Like that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Could not have said it better myself. And okay, I want to shift and talk about one of my favorite questions I love to ask people with kids, especially financial planners. With all of this knowledge and all of this experience and wisdom, what are you teaching your three boys about money, about life, about goals, all of it? So my boys are, they're young. So our oldest just turned four. We have a four, two, and one-year-old. 
So right busy now, times. real oh busy times. <laughs> gosh, it's insane. Right now, our oldest is just starting to grasp that you buy things. Mm-hmm. So before we could go to the store, he would never ask for stuff because he didn't know what was going on. Now he's like, oh yeah, dad has money. I want that chocolate. I'm going right. to ask him if he can buy it for me. So first lesson I'm trying to show him is like, no, we need to steward our resources well, because if we waste something that there's the opportunity cost of not having something else or being able to give more or whatever that looks like. So just assessing, do you really want this? Because there's a trade-off here and just understanding the implications of that. And frankly, it's a lesson hopefully he'll get sooner rather than later because there's vast majority of Americans who are adults don't understand that. Like, oh, I'll just go and buy it because I want it. Not understanding that you're giving up something either today or in the future. There's a massive mm-hmm. cognizant disconnect between our present self and our future selves. And then not to go on a tangent, but just remind me, I haven't thought about this in a while, but I remember years ago, I read a, a study based off of why people have trouble saving for their future. And scientists hook up, I don't know what they did. They hooked up nodes to your brain or whatever to read where parts of your brain are firing. And what they did, they told these individual stories about themselves, like a really bad and really exciting story. Like you win the lottery or your spouse is in a car wreck. Whenever they heard a story about themselves, even though it was a fake story, they connected it and it part of their brain fired because like, oh my gosh, this is me. All right. And then they told them the story about a stranger. Like this happened to a person. They were in a horrible car accident and a different part of their brain fired because it was a stranger. We still have emotions, but it's not us. Okay. Then these people told a story about themselves, but in the future, 30 years from now, this happens to us. The part of the brain that fired was the same part of the brain that fired for strangers, not us. We have a huge problem Uh wired in us of relating future me is still me. So overcoming that is difficult. And I think that's why so many people live in credit card debt or just lack of saving and spending today. And I'm perfectly for obviously living in the moment, but you need to understand the implications of what you're doing today and tomorrow. And there's a big disconnect there. So anyways, back to the question, I'm trying to impart that on our son early. Hey, if you do this, here's the results later on and here's the balances. That is so fascinating. And I studied psychology in college, so I nerd about this type of stuff. That makes a lot of sense. It must be like, and it makes sense on a day-to-day basis too, because I plan things in the future all the time. I'm like, yeah, next week, I'm going to do all these things. And then I get to next week, I'm like, wait, what was I thinking? I can't do all these things right now, or I don't want to do these things. And so, yeah, it's, I can totally see the disconnect there, but just having that awareness, right? Having that awareness is the first step. And I love that you're starting out teaching your kids early, because I know a lot of those money habits are formed so early on in life, and they've got such a good guide to help them navigate through all of this stuff. And it's such fun ages, four, two, and one. And my goodness, I'm sure you guys are very, very busy. (laughs) Well, with that, let's go ahead and transition into the Life and Money Show Spotlight Round. We're going to ask you three questions that we ask everyone. You ready, Jim? Let's do it. All right. The first question is about your life and money. What is one thing you're doing to live a meaningful and intentional life by design? First thing that comes to mind is I purposely block off my mornings every day. So I won't take a more a meeting before 9 a.m. The reason I do that is because I know Kendra's at home with the kids by herself all day. So I want to make sure that she has the mornings. I take the morning shift. I'm changing the diapers, getting breakfast done, playing with the dinosaurs so she can catch up on sleep, go to the gym, read, whatever she needs to do. And that way I get those that time with the boys in the morning before I'm gone for the rest of the day. So yeah, make sure I carve that out. And that's really important to both of us. 
Yeah, that's so smart. And having those high standards and sticking to those makes all the difference. So I love that you start your day out with one of the most important pieces of your life. And it's not the meetings, it's your family. All right. Second question is about others' life and money. So what is one life or money hack that you can share that will make an impact in others' lives right now? So not to sound too meta, I guess, but whenever you consider things that you want, just ask yourself, why do you want that? And keep probing until you actually come about, until you can stop asking why, and it just seems silly. You may have to ask yourself a silly why a few times actually to get there, but if you think you want something, why is that important to me? Why do I want that? Oh, because again, going back, I want to be able to retire early. Why is that? So I can not have to work. Well, why? So I can be with family more. Why is that important to me? Because of this. And finally, once you dig deep enough, you'll really come to the base layer of what you want. And again, that goes to even like, I don't know, buying a bigger house. I have a client that it wasn't smart for their financial plan, but they just upgraded their house massively. And he was like, Jim, this isn't good financially. And I was like, I recognize that, but why do you want this? Oh, because our daughters never want to be at our house. They never have friends over. And their financial plan, we for our clients, we have what's called a statement of financial purpose. And it's a one-sentence summary of why we're doing what we do. It's the lens through which we view everyone's financial plan. Part of their statement of financial purpose is making moments and memories with their daughters before they're out of the house. And said, hey, look, we'll call him Steve. That's not his name, but say, Steve, what you're telling me, yes, this may not allow you to retire that much earlier, but your daughter's only going to be under your roof for about six more years. So yeah, let's go ahead, get the bigger house, has a swimming pool. Your daughter's always be at the other friend's house. Your place can be the place of family now. So that's massively important. Such a poignant story. And it's so true, right? You have such a limited amount of time and how fortunate your clients are are to have somebody like you in their corner versus the traditional, so to speak, financial planner, which in my experience often brings up that guilt, right? Like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing that. And here you are saying, no, here's the reason why you should be doing it, even though it might not be the wisest choice financially, but who cares? The money is a piece of it. The money is a tool to get you to your ultimate purpose and the goals that you've laid out. Exactly. Well, that's with Steve. It was, hey, I want this bigger house. Yeah, I could immediately said like, hey, based off your the financial planning software, you're not going to be able to retire nine months later because of this or whatever would have spit out. And that's irrelevant because we probed like, why do you want this? And even said, because my neighbors all have bigger houses. I would have said, hey, Steve, that's right. stupid. I'm going to hold yeah. you accountable to that. We're not doing it. But yeah, his response was, well, I want a place for our family, more room. Well, mm-hmm. why is that? Well, because the girls never around because they don't have room for them to entertain. It's like, oh, gosh. Yeah, you just answered it. Let's do it. So yeah, yeah, ask, continue asking why. That was a base question. And that's my response. Yeah. yeah. Ask yourself why you want something. So smart. All right. Last question. This one's around life and money and the world. So what's one thing you're doing right now to make the world a better place? Outside of, uh, obviously, I love what I do for work. And I do believe I'm making an impact, hopefully, if not just on my clients, but generational and legacy wealth and moments and memories for these families and their, their kids. But beyond that, my wife and I were also pretty involved with a group in Uganda. And we, we try to be heavily involved there and give generously and support them. So I guess outside of work, that is somewhere that we're, we're pretty active. I think that comes back to what you were saying all the way at the beginning of this conversation is how money really amplifies who you are and allows you to reach your goals and 
for many people, that's to give generously. And so I think that's fantastic. And so Jim, I know that many people, including myself, are going to want to follow up with you to learn more and potentially work with you. So tell them what's the best place that they can go to learn more about all that you're doing. Yeah. If you just want to peek on me and stuff, you can follow me. My Twitter is Jim Kreider TX as in Texas. So Jim Kreider TX. But also you can go to my website. It's intentional living FP as in financial planning. So intentionallivingfp.com. on there. I have my calendar right on the homepage. Feel free. You can put 15 minutes on there. If you have just a simple question, I don't know what my 401k is or what do I do about this certain thing. Like I will do my best to take a stab at answering that question or help clarify things for you. Or if you're saying, Hey, like we are looking for a financial planner or our financial planner is just trying to sell us a whole bunch of products. And we're looking around for something new. I would be more than happy to talk with you and see if I'm the best fit. And if not, I'll connect you with someone else who I think would be able to serve you well. Love it. Well, for all our listeners, definitely follow up with Jim. He is a wealth of knowledge and wisdom. Jim Kreider, founder of Intentional Living FP. Jim, thank you so much for being here with us and our listeners today. Thanks, Kanani. Appreciate it. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations. 